the students will now leave. <laughs> I almost always forget that. That's why I was getting, um, I was getting a little uh, prompter on that. Wow, 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 wow. So many. And I know that some of you here today have followed your students here, so that's a good thing. That's a wonderful. Uh, while they're heading out, I, I do just want to say something. I, I feel like, particularly with what's going on in the world today, that it's really important uh, to just say a word. There could be so much more said, and if anybody wants to talk about it further, I'm happy to do so or give you resources. But when we sing about um, Israel's hope and consolation, uh, because of what's happening in the world today, I think that can sometimes be confusing. Uh, what are we talking about? What Israel? Um, the biblical people of Israel were a, a covenant community called into existence by Yahweh, blessed by Yahweh, and sent into the world to bless all peoples. That is different than the geopolitical power that is in the news. Are there some overlaps? Yes, but, but I think it's really important to say that. Christ is Israel's consolation and the desire of every nation to bind all peoples into one heart and mind where there is a just peace in this world where all people can flourish in a shalom, a, a well-being for all of creation. So that's not the sermon. But that's a lot. And I do feel like that's so important right now because we are praying for peace for Israel, for the Ukraine, for the Palestinians, for all peoples. Let us pray. Gracious God, as we turn now to your word on this first Sunday of Advent, we do pray that these words written so long ago to peoples whose lives in so many ways were so different than ours, and yet there was conflict and strife in the world and within. And so we pray, Emmanuel, God with us, bind all peoples in one heart and mind. Bid every strife and quarrel and war cease and fill this whole world, O oh Jesus with peace. Amen. Uh, so today is the first Sunday of Advent. Now, if you've grown up, raise your hand if you grew up in a, in a tradition that kind of follows the, what's called the liturgical calendar. Okay, so, so those of you, you may know that like today is actually in the church year, today is the first Sunday of the year. The church year starts today because every year, if you're in a liturgical church where we follow the, the lectionary and the seasons of the church, we rehearse over and over again the life of Christ. We start with the expectation of Israel, the people called by God, of which of Jesus was a part of that, that group. 
we, we start with the, the Israelites, the people who became the Hebrews and the Jewish people, and then their hope for a Messiah, the birth of that Messiah, the life and ministry of that Messiah, the cross, uh, the, the resurrection, and the coming of the Holy Spirit and the, and the church, and then we start all over again. So that's the, the liturgical season. The lectionary, and we're using lectionary passages. Again, some of you may come from traditions where, regardless of what else is happening, they read every Sunday, there's lectionary readings that are Old Testament, New Testament, a psalm, uh, a gospel, and an epistle. Uh, so, a letter. Um, so we're reading the New Testament uh, lectionaries for this week. If you, if you read them all in the course of three years, you've read like 80% of the scriptures. Um, but we're looking at, and so again, those of you who come from um, liturgical traditions, you might know that the first Sunday of Advent every year, sometimes it's from Luke, sometimes it's from uh, Mark or another gospel. This, this year's gospel reading is from Mark, and it's what's called a little apocalypse. So an apocalypse, that's because it's like an end time uh, passage. What's going to happen at the end? How's it all going to come together? And um, apocalypse, you know, so uh, there's actually a website, and there's probably many, but I, I, I looked up this one called Rapture Ready. And it has a rapture index. These are the categories. Um, it, it ranks all these things that are predictors about the end times. They said, you could say the rapture index, this is from their website, is a Dow Jones industrial average of end time activity. But I think it would be better, they say, if you viewed it as a prophetic speedometer. The higher the number, the faster we're moving towards the occurrence of pre-tribulation rapture. This is all, I, I don't buy this, by the way. Um, but, but so they have these categories. If the, if the number is 100 or below, that's slow prophetic activity. 100 to 130, moderate. 130, 160, heavy. Above 160, fasten your seatbelts. Today's, that December 3rd, they change the ranking every, every Sunday, 187. So we're going to read this I'm about to read the scripture. This is all before the sermon, believe it or not. Okay, so uh, we're going to read this passage from Mark called the Little Apocalypse. Some people read it as like, how is this predicting? Is this telling us when the end times are? But I want you to pay attention because one thing it says, and, and it's, it says this in more than one place in the scripture. Jesus makes one thing clear. Nobody knows. Not even Jesus how the culmination of this, all of this, is going to happen. And so this passage gives us something else to focus on. Um, because Advent, so why in Advent does the lectionary start with this end times thing? Because Advent in the church is both a looking back, where we remember what it must have been like for Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth and all of the people who were anticipating this birth, and it came as such a surprise in a stable, in an obscure place, where a baby that, despite some of our hymns, did cry. 
So we're thinking about those people in anticipation of that, but we're also thinking about what does it mean for the people who since Jesus are anticipating how Christ comes again and again and again. What do we do to prepare for that? So that's why Advent starts with these little apocalypse. What is it like to look forward to the coming of Jesus? That's what Advent means, the coming. Apocalyptic literature speaks to people who are afraid. In the Gospels, there had been, the, the, the temple had been destroyed, everything, these people, this, this, these uh, apocalyptic passages must speak so powerfully to those who are presently living in a war zone. For those who are grieving terror acts, so it's, we, we have to read it like that's, those who were the people who this was originally written to. Now we all have our own like end of the world things that happen to us. And it's both on a micro and a macro level. All of that, it speaks to all of us. Because although we might not be in a war zone, there may be a war going on inside of you. There may be conflict in your family that is ripping you apart. So it's to all of us. So here it is. Mark 13, starting in 24. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken and you will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with power and glory. He will send out angels to gather the people from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson as soon as its branches become tender and puts forth its leaves. You know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that it is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be aware. Keep alert. For you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey. When he leaves his home and he puts his servants in charge, each with their own work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on watch, therefore keep awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or at the cock crow or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. Stay awake, says Jesus. When I was thinking about this this week, I was thinking, is this really the right message to a nation who is sleep deprived? Do you know the stats on our sleeping? One in three adults does not get the right, correct, recommended amount of sleep. Nearly 70% of our teenagers do not get the recommended amount of sleep. 
most of us will report at some time or another unintentionally falling asleep. Could be during a sermon, that's okay. Could be during a movie. Has uh, this ever happened to you? You're driving and you're like, ooh, I, did I pass that already? I mean, some people think that's like your brain falling asleep, but you're still driving. That's scary. So what happens when people don't get enough sleep, sleep deprivation, is that we end up kind of sleepwalking through our lives. We're, we're kind of in a haze. We're foggy. We're unalert. And the problem with sleepwalking, of course, real sleepwalking, is that you bump into things. You can literally, like, people walk outside. It's dangerous. Because although you're going through the motions, you're not really paying attention to your surroundings. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he says stay awake. It isn't don't go to sleep. It's be alert. Sleep in the ancient world, uh, in, in these kinds of parables, were, was often context. Uh, it was it meant, the meaning was to be spiritually lazy or indifferent or insensitive. So although we might be people who are awake, this is talking about being people who are awakened. Awakened. To be awakened in the biblical sense is to be fully attentive to the presence of God and God's call and claim upon our lives. Thomas Merton, who must have read these verses, these little apocalypses, or maybe he read Judges, which says, awaken and sing, or maybe he read Isaiah, which says, awaken and clothe yourselves in strength, or maybe he read Romans, which says, awake from sleep, for salvation and redemption are nearer to us than we can imagine. Awaken and put on the armor of light. Or maybe he read when Jesus asked the disciples, when his death was impending and he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, stay awake and pray. Because Thomas Merton said this, and you can think about whether or not you agree with him, the spiritual life is then, first of all, a matter of keeping awake. So how do we do that? How do we stay awake? <coughs> Could somebody get me some water? Of course, I don't have it this week, so I'm going to like get a frog in my throat. Um, <coughs> anyway, how do we stay awake? I, I tell you, when I was a little girl, I used to like to go on recruiting trips with my dad, and we would drive, and I just remember like one time we were on this trip, really bad snowstorm, and my dad was dozing off, and he would open the door, and get handfuls of snow and slap his face. And uh, he would say, Mia, you gotta talk to me. Let's fight about something. Because there's something about that, right? One thing that does wake us up is pain. And so one way to stay awake, if we're thinking about how do we prepare our hearts for Christ, it is to awaken them. And one way to do that is to pay attention to the pain in our lives and in the world. Pain and suffering, things that are just off. 
I remember one, one year I preached on this passage and uh, we had banners in the sanctuary and I had um, the staff turn them all upside down before we started worship. And do you know the only people who noticed? Who? The kids. Because in the middle of my sermon, I was like, do you guys notice anything different? Are you awake? <clears throat> Thank you so much, Joe. Uh, so staying awake begins with paying attention to what might be off, to what hurts, you know, or what, what, what might be um, potentially threatening. Uh, I also, my kids, you guys know this, my kids used to play um, Little League, and every once in a while when that, like, you know, ball that was hit askance and it, they come flying over into the stands, what does everybody yell? Heads up! And what does everybody do? Who, who, yeah, most people, okay, who puts, who goes like this? Raise your hand. Who goes like this? Yeah, you know what, who goes like this? When we're scared. And we're scared. We don't want to know about that, that threatening thing. We want to sleepwalk. We, wanna, we, wanna, we don't want to know because it might hurt us. But you see what Jesus is saying in, the, in this, uh, in this and the Lucan passage on the apocalypse, it's like, heads up. Be alert. Because there are things that might hurt, but your redemption, your salvation is also nearer than you imagine, even in the midst of those things. So heads up, pay attention. Uh, the other thing to pay attention to is the presence of the holy. The signs that not only is there suffering and pain, but that there is redemption drawing near. There is salvation all around us. This is the, the, the part about the fig tree. Pay attention, because when its roots are tender, something's growing, something's happening. That's the kind of attention that we need to be awake to. Where is grace blooming? Where is, where is life in its abundance showing up? Where is comfort? Where is, where are, is God at work, even amidst the threat, the suffering, the pain? Paying attention. And finally, it is paying attention to the possibilities, to the pain, to the presence of the holy, and to the possibilities. I love, you know, what uh, Jane was saying about, hey, how are we called to show up? That's what the parable about the servant and the master leaves and the servants, what, you know, these parables, when Jesus is talking about the uh, uh, end times and people are concerned, is this the end? He's saying, don't worry about the when. Pay attention to what your work is. What is your work? What are you called to do in the house? How are you, as Jane so beautifully, called to show up? for the people of God, for the world that God so loves. Every single one of us has something, some particular way to show up in this world that is Christ's love embodied in this world that only you can do. And Kairos Church as a whole, you have something. 
that only you can do in this community. And with Lindsay in leading you, you are going to keep discerning that and have the courage and the faith to do it, to keep your head up, to watch for the signs, and to follow in the way that Jesus leads you to the possibilities of doing love and justice. In Mark's gospel, the disciples are given the authority to do all kinds of things, forgive, teach, heal, speak truth to power, write the things that are wrong. Each and all of us together have work that only we can do. And that's what it means to live an awakened life, to be looking for those possibilities. The awakened life is a heads-up life. It's watching for the signs of suffering and threat, and it's watching for the signs of God's presence in the midst of that and the signs of our calling to join in God's reconciling, healing work in the world. When we are awakened to the coming of Christ, what we realize is that Christ is always coming to us, through us. We are the body of Christ. So I wonder, is there something causing you pain this day? Is it grief? the loss of a loved one, or the loss of an imagined future? Is it fear? The fear of failing yourself or others, the fear of taking a risk, the fear of a sickness? Is it the political unrest in our country? Is it the fact that our world is at war and everything feels so unstable? Pay attention to what is grieving your heart. And how will you respond? Will you keep your head up and watch for signs that God is in the midst, bringing redemption near? Or will you numb yourself and sleepwalk through life? I do pray that we all discover anew this Advent season, the wonder of an awakened life. More important than any gift we will buy, more important than any decoration we will put up around the house, more lasting than any present we will give or receive will be the presence that we bring to our families, to this community, to the world when we are awake to Christ in each of us and in our own lives. So we come to this table preparing our hearts to be awakened by Christ who invites us here to a joyful feast. We come with the invitation to lift our hearts so that they can be awakened by the one who feeds us at this table. Before you receive the 
to uh, lead us in a time of prayer. So would you bow your heads, heads with me. Lord, the very coming of our Savior is near. Stir up in us a yearning heart, an open mind, and a spirit seeking. Seeking the spirit as company for our Savior. Stir up your power and kind. Be born in me. Lord Jesus Christ, you have come and are coming. You have been here from the beginning. You have been here in time. And now you come to us in this very hour. You bid us to be ready. Stir up your power and kindness. Be born in me. We bring before you, Holy Spirit, all the other spirits that would rob us of the joy of Jesus' coming. We fearfully invite you to help us rid ourselves of all the temporal and earthly concerns focus upon God incarnate, God in flesh, God with us now. Stir up your power and come. Be born in me and us. Known to us, Lord, our persons and people with needs beyond our own abilities to fix. We thank you for all who attend to the sick, the weary, and the ones who feel separated. 